This is not my time. So after much prayer and deliberation, I have decided to suspend my campaign for president effective today. And that was Mike Pence yesterday exiting the 2024 Republican primary field. While the former vice president's campaign never found much support, he did offer Republican voters one thing, conservatism without Donald Trump. Here's what Mike Pence said in September. The truth is the Republican Party did not begin on a golden escalator in 2015. Long before that day, it was forged and defended and defined as the conservative party in America. And former President Donald Trump was hardly gracious last night about the news that his former running mate and vice president decided to bow out. I chose him, made him vice president, but people, people in politics can be very disloyal. I've never seen anything like it. You know, they asked me a question. They asked me a traitor. He goes, but he could have done what he could have done, right? There's no question. Okay, let's break this all down with our great panel here, the Wall Street Journal's Molly Bulb, Carl Hulse of the New York Times, Semaphore's Kadia Goba, and CNN's Eva McKend. Good morning to you all. Thanks for joining us. I mean, let's talk about what we've learned about from Mike Pence's candidacy, and especially about how he tried to go after Donald Trump, distinguish himself from the front runner. This is just a snippet of some of the ways that he tried to break away from the former president. My former running mate continues to insist that I had the right to overturn the election. Now, President Trump was wrong then, and he's wrong now. He and his imitators in this race are backing away from American leadership. And just this weekend again, he, you saw him walking away from our commitment to the sanctity of human life. The only way this war would end in a day, as my former running mate says, if you let, let, let Vladimir Putin have what he wants. Uh, which, frankly, other candidates uh, for the Republican nomination are advocating as well. But that's not what Republican voters wanted to hear, clearly. Yeah, I mean, this, him saying this is not my time is, uh, you know, a statement that really checks out factually, <laughs> right? It, it, watching Mike Pence campaign really did feel like a, a time warp to the to the pre-Trump era in the Republican Party. I think you've seen a lot of the other candidates try to adapt themselves to the sort of realignment that's happened on the right and try to <clears throat> sound more like Trump in various ways on, on policy, even if they were obviously running against him and offering a different uh, political appeal. But Pence was really either in denial or just stubborn about the, 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 the sort of Reaganite ideas of the pre-Trump Republican Party, the old three-legged stool of foreign interventionism and social conservatism and fiscal conservatism. And he never uh, bent on that. And it was clear, as he acknowledged, that it was not what Republican voters are looking for anymore. And even though you know he was brought onto the ticket to sort of bring that segment of the Republican base into the Trump camp, uh, they've moved on from him. What do you think? Well, I think that what we have seen across the field is this bewilderment, this frustration with Trump's dominance. I think it's it's not always articulated by campaign staff or among the press, right, because they want to be really careful and they don't want to appear vulnerable, but it's very clear uh, to me. Uh, something else that struck me is the former vice president said that he hopes that whoever ascends to the nomination uh, appeals to people's better angels. It's not clear to me that that is what the Republican base is looking for. Yeah, I mean, the, the question too here is, 
is this the beginning of a contraction of the field? Will we see more of these candidates drop out? Someone try to emerge as a true Trump alternative. Obviously, that has not happened yet. There are still lots of candidates in the race. Just look at the, the polling, as we've seen month after month, week after week, Donald Trump, the dominant frontrunner in the Republican primary. The closest, Ron DeSantis, 17%. And then Nick, you know, all the way down to Chris Christie at 2%, who was on Meet the Press this morning and was criticizing uh, these candidates for not going after Trump more aggressively, but he's only at 2%. He's been the most aggressive Trump opponent there is. And then the money game also shows you where things are. This is cash on hand numbers at the end of the last quarter. It's been a few weeks uh, since then, but this gives us our most recent snapshot of the money chase here. Three, uh, Trump at $37.5 million, and all the next closest, Ron DeSantis, just a fraction of this. It seems at some point, or maybe not, maybe these candidates will continue on and continue to split up that anti-Trump vote, but do you sense that there are any movement from these lower tier candidates to get out of the race? I mean, it's a good question. I think there are a lot of people who want to move away from the Trump Republicanism. However, it'll be interesting to see towards the general election if they just see that Trump is just a more viable candidate to win against President Biden. So, yeah, there's a group of people who want to get away from that, but whether they coalesce around a, a dark horse or an, another candidate is a very different question on how we look at the general election. What are you hearing about from Republican uh, on the Hill about just the fear that Trump can win the nomination? I, I think there's a, a real fear. Uh, you know, it's funny watching him. He was running for the nomination of a whole different political party than actually exists right now among Republicans. And despite his loyalty to Trump, pretty unflinching, he, he committed the unpardonable sin, right? He didn't overturn the election for Trump. And now we see election denialism is really a rising thing in the Republican Party. We saw it in the speaker's race, right? Uh, Tom Emmer, who was defeated and couldn't get there, part of the reason was that uh, he had voted to certify the election. So it's this crazy reversal of the Republican order. But I think, yeah, there's a, there's a real fear that uh, Trump could win. I mean, how would Mitch McConnell or John Thune, you know, who could be the next leader, or John Cornyn, I mean, how would they even navigate that? Yeah. So, uh, but it's, you know, they'll gradually winnow it out, and as long as you have money, you can stay in. Right, that's what's going to be really instructive to see who is spending more money uh, faster than they have coming in. It's all about the fundraising. Yeah, I wanted to talk about what's happening on the Democratic side. You were up in New Hampshire, Eva, and President Biden has a new primary candidate, uh, primary rival, Dean Phillips, the uh, congressman from Minnesota, trying to say that Joe Biden can't win. It appears the president, Joe Biden, is going to lose the next election. The numbers are horrific. And if you're a Democratic voter and you care about 2024, uh, it matters. And the absence of any competition, any alternative, is antithetical to democracy. And I think it's important that Americans have choices at a time like this, and there's an exhausted majority who absolutely wants change. And I'll make my case. The polls do show that they voters want a different candidate, but it's hard to see what his pathway is to the nomination right now. It is, and he is articulating, I think, the anxieties that we've all heard from Democrats privately, but they're saying to me, this is not helpful at this time. And I asked him about this, Congressman Phillips, where were you a year ago if you really wanted to mount a credible challenge against the incumbent president? 
And, you know, he does, he didn't even, he can't even, it's too late for Nevada. That uh, deadline has passed. And he told me essentially that he was waiting on someone else to do it. No one else has. And so here he is. He thinks that he can make a splash in New Hampshire. Should Biden respond to ignore him? Well, so far, the strategy has been a little bit of both. It's been mostly this who I don't even know this person sort of posture. Uh, but they have sort of taken some pot shots behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, look, these anxieties are real. Dean Phillips did not invent them. Right. And so any momentum that he does get re re reflects that 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 real angst in the Democratic base and the and the president's advisors have been uh, have been very defensive about this, I think, for good reason. Yeah, and there was just a lot of concern about Biden's viability. We hear it from our sources, from Democratic leaders. But he's a candidate, frontrunner. Really quickly, the nominee. when I was in Concord and the bus pulled up, people were walking past the bus and going, who is Dean Phillips? <laughs> yeah, and that's going to be his challenge in the months ahead.